Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors, such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com. Hello, and welcome to RIA Edge. This is Mark Bruno, the Managing Director of the Wealth Management Group at Informa Connect. And we are thrilled to have a very special guest and a longtime friend, Kaylin Mayhew, President at Merit Financial Advisors. Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us here today. We're very much looking forward to hearing a lot about what you've been working on for the last year and what's in store for 2022. So thanks for joining us. Mark, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here today. As we always do on RA Edge, our focus is on growth. And you have had some tremendous growth, not only over the last year, but over the last several years. Um, I know you've had probably one of the most active years of your <laughs> career in 2021. So before we get into some of the specifics, Kayla, maybe you could just give a brief overview, history of Merit Financial, but more specifically, some of the activity and the, the M&A activity in particular um, that you've been working on that's really reshaped merit over the last year. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you're so right, Mark. Uh, this last year has been uh, amazing for, I think, our industry as a whole. Uh, really, really exciting things uh, have happened here over at Merit, and I'm uh, glad to have the opportunity to share a little bit. Um, so just a little background on the company. Uh, so we're a, a hybrid RIA uh, with offices predominantly throughout the Southeast right now um, with plans uh, to go uh, national. And I would say probably the largest event that has happened to uh, to Merit was taking on a capital partner uh, last year. So uh, late last year, we're actually uh, getting ready to uh, celebrate our year anniversary as far as uh, 2021. Um, we uh, took on a capital partner with Wealth Partners Capital Group. And uh, it was really, really important for us. It was about a year-long process for us to find the right partner. And I shouldn't even use the word capital because they did bring that to the table, but they brought sure. so, so much more. It was really a strategic partner. Um, so prior to uh, partnering with uh, Wealth Partners Capital Group, we had done a total of uh, uh, nine transactions to date as far as mergers and acquisitions. There wasn't, I, I guess the best way to describe what we were doing before bringing them on was it was opportunistic, right? These were people that we knew in the industry or that would reach out to us and we didn't have a whole lot of framework around, okay, how are we going to continue to grow? through this non-organic growth channel. And I think what uh, Wealth Partners brought to the table was a recipe uh, that had worked uh, for others, um, their other partner firms. And we have been on that track now for about a year. And uh, this last year has really been a build year. Um, we just had our uh, corporate team uh, uh, annual meeting uh, last night, actually. And it was amazing to see the number of hands when we ask, who hasn't been here a year? We've brought 
brought in so much talent and so much infrastructure that I'm, I couldn't be more excited about the direction that the company is going. Um, in the next three to four months, Mark, we're probably, um, uh, we're going to close a number of additional transactions. So what has taken us a year, I, I'm sorry, what's taken us about 10 years to get to a total of 11 transactions to date, we'll do 11 transactions likely in the next 12 months to 18 months. So that's just incredible from a volume standpoint to be in a position to do that. Really is incredible. And I think back to, I think we probably first met maybe 10 years ago or so. And I, my, my, my math could be off, but I think you were hovering in the you know 1 billion in assets under management stage at around that time. Um, and after your most recent acquisition, I so saw you're in the neighborhood of 5.6, 5.7 billion in assets under management. Um, congratulations. You've been busy and definitely yes. looking forward to what's ahead in 2022. Looking at some of the activity this year, but also going deeper into the thought process, what is it, would you say, about M&A uh, that makes sense for merit and your growth strategy? And is there you know, a particular you know, type of firm or profile that you feel like makes for a, a perfect fit within the merit organization? Well, Mark, I'll take that into two different questions. Um, when we sit there and we look at, uh, you mentioned the growth that we've seen as far as going from a billion to six billion, and uh, by the end of next year, we'll be at 10 billion. I think what that's enabled to do, because it's, it's, you've got to sit there and ask yourself the question sometimes as far as like, why? Why grow? Um, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of businesses, really, really great businesses in our industry that are hitting that, you know, 10%, 15% growth, and uh, they're giving themselves the high fives. And that's absolutely fantastic. But I think when you look at what's going on in our industry, there are just things that you can't do when you're experiencing that, you know, 10, 15, 20% growth. For example, um, so if I were to go back to when we were even a $2 billion firm and the differences in the infrastructure and the services that we're able to provide for our clients and for our advisors and their teams, it's like, it's the difference between night and day. It's like we have in-house legal now. We've got a a technology stack that I I am just so proud of that is continuing to uh, to grow and uh, to be a robust platform that's just driving scalability and efficiencies. We've got a $4 million spend on our uh, technology uh, platform in the next 12 months uh, um, in the plans. And we couldn't have done that as a $2 billion firm. Um, I look at our financial planning department, our insurance, um, we're acquiring a tax practice. So we're going to have in-house tax uh, as part of our platform. These type of things we just were not able to do Um, until we got uh, behind this plan to continue to grow. And that's going to lead me into the second part of your question, which is what are the perfect fits to to grow as we look at it from a merit standpoint? So the profile of those, uh, we call them partners, our new partners. Um, And I would say it's, it's twofold. One of the things that we figured out in order to continue to grow, we were going to have to attract and partner with like-minded growth focused 
already successful advisors and founders out there in our industry. And so the firms out there that are solely focused on succession plan plays for advisors, that's fine. And I'll I'll get to that. And we definitely have a a, a plug and play um, for those folks that are looking for that succession solution. But what we figured out, if we're truly going to make the largest impact in our industry and for our clients, we needed to sit there and have the local leadership in the markets where we want to have a larger presence. And so take um, Denver as an example. Um, Lots, really, really great market. Um, When you sit there and you look at the advisors uh, and the uh, financial planners in those markets, the RIAs in those markets, um, when you sit there and you look at the wealth that's in those communities and the companies that are there. um, So definitely a place where we want to have a pretty big presence. So the first thing that we need to do once we identify a city like Denver is we need to have that local leadership there, those um, entrepreneurial-minded, growth-focused individuals that are going to sit there and provide the infrastructure, have a proven track record themselves as far as being able to grow and really value uh, the client service and develop out advisors and develop out their team. Um, And then we want to go out and find those folks in the area that are looking for that succession solution. And so we call it our hub and spoke model. So we Um, identify our hub partner or a regional director or directors in that area. And then they're going to go out there and find, um, uh, I say find, we find what they do is they go out there and integrate and make sure it's the right fit um, uh, of those smaller uh, uh, firms or just the succession plays where the advisors have sat there and said, hey, you know, I've been there, done this. I've built this business over 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever it might be. What does that look like for the business to continue on without me and and looking for that great place for their team to plug in and continue to grow? So we really have, I guess, two profiles, Mark, as far as that perfect fit. We want to have that localized leadership, those entrepreneurial minded folks. And then when we sit there and we look at those uh, people that may have that two years or three years left in, in, in this business and want to go on and do some other things, we want to be that succession solution for them. Excellent. No, I appreciate breaking it down like that. And I think that's one of the most interesting developments if you look back across the last couple of years, the record levels of M&A activity. Yeah, I think people were saying in 2016, 2017, that you know, there's this sort of succession and talent crisis, right? Um, yes. Average advisor being obviously right at or you know, just past the uh, typical retirement age. Um, but I've seen so many firms that were involved in M&A that the founders are nowhere near retirement. They're actually looking for a partner that can help them grow. Um, so I'm, I'm curious if you were to put some of those succession you know, candidates to the side and you looked at the firms that you're partnering with who are you know, selling and staying, um, yes. what, are they, what are they looking for from you and what problem does Merit solve specifically? Well, you've got the financial side of this, and then you've got the the day to day. You know, what is a, a day in the life of uh, a partnering advisor look like after a transaction with Merit? Um, so, I think on the financial front, 
where that comes into play. I, I think that people are looking for uh, their enterprise value to continue to grow in that situation. So they may be wanting to take some chips off the table, but in almost everyone that we're talking to, um, I think that it's been, they're, they're sitting there looking for, how can I continue to monetize my business um, and have that grow? Because for a lot of folks, that's their largest asset. And when we sit there and we look at the, the multiples uh, in the expansion that our uh, industry has um, uh, seen as of recent, they don't want to sit there and cash out completely. Um, and so providing them that opportunity to trade in their equity for equity in a larger firm that's likely going to be growing a lot faster in value, I would say that that's one of the things that they're looking for. The second piece has to do with solving, like you mentioned, Mark, what are, what are the problems? What are the pain points? Um, so many people got in this business because they were really, really great financial advisors. Um, maybe they were really, really great money managers. Maybe they're really, really great rainmakers. Um, not many people got in this business because they love compliance or they love the HR component of the business or they love lease negotiations and when the copier breaks, you know, dealing with those things or they have employee turnover and now they've got to go out and recruit and uh, train and, and, uh, and uh, retain those people on the other side. And so to have infrastructure that takes care of all of those things, plus things like investment management, if that's something that they've done by necessity, or maybe it's something that they've outsourced, wow, you look at how the clients benefit from having that um, in-house. Um, sometimes it's an expense, sometimes it's exposure, sometimes it's additional strategies. And so I think it's, it's having that, um, I call it the heart of the organization, our corporate platform, having that to plug into uh, can sit there and make this business fun again. I can only speak for myself. So I'm a 25-year uh, high net worth advisor. So that's where I've spent, that's where I started my career. Um, and I still have a piece of my time that pours into that. Um, but I have to say, I, you know, I, after 20 years, I was getting a little fatigued from it. And I was sitting there looking around saying, hey, is there a way for me to have more impact on my team, um, more impact with the clients, more impact in the industry? more impact in the country. And I think a lot of advisors um, that have had success will experience those questions at some point in their career. And so really moving from that like success to significance, when you can sit there and change out your day-to-day -day interactions um, uh, that may be one-on-one -on -one with some of the individual clients, and now all of a sudden you've got an entire city and infrastructure or region that you're sitting there pouring into, you You've got a substantial team that you're developing. Those advisors that are on that team are reaching way more clients than you could ever do as an individual. That can get folks really, really excited. So our regional directors, I would say they're all of that mindset um, where they're sitting there saying, how, how can I use what I've gained in knowledge over my 15, 20, 25, 30 year uh, plus uh, careers uh, here in the industry and really leverage that to, to make a big impact. Yeah, you use the word platform um, and it's actually one of my favorite words. Um, it means a lot and it can also mean very little, but I think about, <laughs> you know, when it comes to you know, the RAA business, um, you know, years ago, you know, Mark Tiberson, you know, when he was writing, you know, practice made perfect. 
you had talked about the evolution of solo firms going from practices into businesses. Now it seems like the emphasis is going from a business to a platform, you know, particularly when you look at some of the hundred, the top 100 or the top 200, the largest RIA firms. Um, and it's all happened in a very, very short period of time. Um, and there's no question that yeah, you're in a category of merit with you know, a handful of other companies that I, I would look at as you know, true platforms, advice platforms, wealth platforms. I am curious, you know, we, we always talk about the, the, the buyers and we also talk about some of the, the partners that you'd be acquiring. But from a client perspective, that's something we haven't really talked about on RA Edge. Could you share maybe your thoughts on if I'm a client of a, a wealth management company that is a true national platform, what benefits does that you know, provide to me that you know, I might not have if I was just working with a truly local you know, advisor. Well, Mark, I can I, because I've lived this evolution. I can I can speak to it, and I can talk very specifically about the the clients that I've worked with for years and the benefits that they've gained. I think the, the first thing is truly moving uh, to a team based uh, uh, servicing approach. Um, so the clients getting interaction with so many different, I would say, uh, subject matter experts. And so if I have a client that has a question about their grandkids' 529 plans, I have someone that I can bring in that is very, very well-versed um, if there's some uh, complicated questions. Um, Social Security, um, uh, Medicare. I have a JD on staff that uh, will sit there and work with our clients that have special needs children or grandchildren that understands those um, uh, scenarios inside and out. Um, philanthropic experts uh, that uh, we can bring to the table. Technology. Uh, our, our clients are experiencing uh, an interaction with us that wouldn't have been available if we had chosen to uh, stay as kind of like that silo and not partnered uh, with a, a larger firm. So I think that, uh, you know, from a client standpoint and getting the advice, uh, and, and gosh, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention our investment department. Um, that was a, a lot of, we, we were piecemealing things together uh, before this. And I feel like a lot of those folks that are in the, the billion dollar range or are going to be struggling with. It's like you might be able to have that one CFA on, on the team, but are you bringing some of those subject matter experts like the folks that can navigate the bond market in-house? And so I, I feel like the clients benefit from having access to the team approach um, and a broader team in that environment for sure. And then I think technology is the other thing that uh, from the clients that would I would say is probably uh, the, the biggest difference that they're going to see. Yeah, you definitely are making it easier to scale. There's no question about it when you have those sort of centralized areas of expertise. And I think it also obviously sets you up to do a lot more potentially uh, moving forward. So we, with that, just on the 2022 side of things, you mentioned the activity that you expect. Um, what are some of the things that we should look for from Merit? And if next year is a success and goes according to plan. What does 2022 look like for, for Merit? Well, I, I think that 2021, if I were to describe the year in one word, it was a build. Um, it was a build year. Uh, so while we uh, saw some significant growth uh, during that time, and we didn't really touch upon organic growth, but I feel like that's a, that's a, a really big focus and will continue to be a really big focus. Um, 
so 2022, I'll break it into organic um, and non-organic growth. Uh, so I, I feel like the, the focus for us on the non-organic growth is going to be those finding those right partners in the cities that we want to either continue to grow or that we want to uh, lay a flag in the ground and uh, start a presence in those cities. Um, so some of those are uh, Chicago, uh, Denver, Houston, Austin, uh, San Diego. Um, we still have a big focus in, uh, in Dallas, um, uh, South Florida, Atlanta, which is where our uh, corporate office is. And we've got uh, three other offices here as well. So we'll continue to grow out Atlanta and then North Carolina. As you can imagine, Mark, uh, as far as I mentioned, 2021 was the, the build year. Um, so uh, this is really the, the implementation year and the uh, taking the strategy and, and putting it to work. We are looking for a uh, chief uh, growth officer, and I think that this is going to just continue to increase our capabilities. If I were to describe it in one word, our chief growth officer, we really want to bring on the type of caliber of person that we can see being the president or CEO of Merit at some point. Um, so a very, very high level uh, individual uh, that we're looking to, uh, to bring uh, to our uh, executive leadership um, uh, table. And then I'll switch gears and go over to the organic growth. Uh, so we have a huge focus on uh, our event marketing, uh, hoping that 2022 uh, will continue to bring opportunities for our uh, client development managers um, to uh, work in the cities and continue to build out in our communities where we have the uh, offices now. We've got a big focus on digital marketing. Um, I know that RIA Edge, uh, you guys are are very well in tune with this is how we're reaching folks. Uh, this is the, the new way, I, I believe, that uh, that we are going to sit there and, and be able to communicate our services and differentiate ourselves. Um, so digital marketing is a uh, huge focus. And um, we've got some other strategies uh, that we're going to uh, be trying out in 2022 on, uh, on the organic growth side as well. Yeah, and just on the organic growth side, um, you know, maybe you could offer some more specific thoughts on, obviously, you've had a lot of growth that's come from M&A, um, but how you're thinking about balancing the two, right? So sticking with you know, the look into the crystal ball for 2022, if you hit that, yeah, and I think you said 10 billion before, um, but if you hit that number, you know, what comes from M&A and what should come from organic growth if you execute on a lot of the plans that you just mentioned? Well, I think percentage-wise, uh, we've got a strategic plan to uh, hit the fifteen uh, percent uh, growth mark on the organic growth side. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to take a few years for yeah. us to uh, to get there. And when you're talking billions of dollars, those are some pretty big numbers. Sure. Um, but ideally, in in the business plans and what we're building the infrastructure around and where we're making investments, we're expecting, let's call it the 80-20 rule, um, that 20% of our growth is going to come from uh, the organic uh, side and that 80% is going to come from the non-organic or and the mergers and acquisitions that we plan on making. I appreciate that. It's uh, helpful and it's important to just get that perspective because we talk to so many firms that are building as well. And when you're in growth mode, everybody has a different way of thinking about the opportunities and the balance. Um, and that 15% number that you mentioned before, 
definitely uh, is aggressive, but it's doable. We've talked with a lot of firms on this show that are at the point where they're either approaching it or they've surpassed it already. Congratulations to you on a lot of the success um, that you've had, both on the M&A side and the organic growth side. Uh, and definitely looking forward to what to seeing what comes next year for Merit. Uh, final question. You did touch on this chief, chief growth officer role. I'm always curious when I look at some of these you know, larger firms like Merit as they evolve, you know, to understand you know, how they're thinking about human capital um, and what are the the different skill sets, what are the new roles that you need to unlock some growth and potentially give you more time to do things like m and <laughs> which I imagine is a huge part of your focus right now. Um, but what, what was the thought process behind that role and what are you hoping to see if and when you, know, you, you have the right person in place, how merit evolves and transforms potentially? Well, Mark, I think it starts with culture. And every company, I, I doubt anybody that you talk to is going to say, we've got a horrible culture, but I will, I will sit there and brag on the merit culture um, all day, every day. And it's one thing that uh, can really only be experienced. And so that's why we love our, our home office visits that we do once a quarter. We'll bring uh, folks in that are curious about what we have going on here. And, uh, and I feel like they get to experience that culture firsthand. And so uh, the first thing that we're careful about as it relates to talent is uh, that that like-minded piece. So I, I really believe, and we're hot off of our uh, corporate all-team uh, meeting uh, yesterday, that we're the heart of the organization and we're here to serve. And I feel like there's so many companies out there, maybe um, some in our industry and other industries where you hear the word corporate or home office. And um, it's you know a bunch of people that maybe never uh, stepped foot in the shoes of the folks that are out there. Um, and that's mm-hmm. absolutely not the case. And so we want to sit there and we want to uh, be very, very picky, especially on our partners, these regional directors that we're bringing to the table Um, uh, to make sure that there's a good cultural fit with that servant heart moving into uh, the uh, the impact and and, and folks that are really just wanting to pour into others uh, to sit there and help them be their best, whether that be their clients or whether that be their team. So that's just absolutely critical. And when we sit there and we look at our leadership team, uh, I feel like it's going to be more and more uh, important that we have leaders that uh, could step into, let's face it, Mark, you talk to a number of people that focus on the mergers and acquisitions in our industry. It's not easy. You, you sit here and it sounds good. There's a lot of people that would love to be in the acquisition business, um, but it's not easy. And I think the reason why it's not easy is the psychological piece of it and the people side of things. The logistics, as far as like, let's take valuations as an example. It's like, I mean, I have no doubt if we find the right partner that we're going to get to the right financial situation for that firm. But what what are some of the stumbling blocks? It's the psychological part. Like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I've got a name on the door that's been there for X amount of years and now I'm looking at a rebrand or it's the, well, I've had complete autonomy and um, what am I What am I sitting here gaining? I'm sitting here partnering with the firm and what am I going to need to uh, sit here and, um, I hate the word conform, but how am I, what guardrails are going to be up that I have to stay within and dealing with 
that from a psychological standpoint. So as we build out our leadership team, we really want people that get the side, uh, the psychological side of this business. I've said many times that I wish I hadn't studied finance and, and economics. I wish I had uh, gotten a PhD in psychology instead, because everything that we do, whether it be with our team or our clients, or now you know on the mergers and acquisitions, it's all um, it's all psychology based. And so I think we're looking for uh, folks that just really get people and that have those same uh, core values that Merit has. Um, when we sit there and we look at that relationship side, it's it's just critical. Yeah, and I uh, absolutely appreciate the psychology <laughs> behind <laughs> even with some of the the deal making. It's incredible when you look at the activity, and so much of it is uh, an entrepreneur being acquired by a larger company that is led by an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you have multiple individuals who are used to calling their own shots, and when you bring them all together. It, what it's it's what keeps me employed <laughs> because it, there's a lot of interesting activity there, um, and I think that there's a lot that you know our listeners can can learn from you know, this podcast and what you've shared with us here today, Kaylin. So thank you very much for stopping by RIA Edge. We will have to have you back. I'm not sure if we need to have you back in the middle of 2022 or at the end of it, um, but we'll see how things are pacing because it sounds like you have. A lot going on, um, and I am very interested to see how things progress and very interested to check in on your continued success. So thank you for joining us, Kaylin. Appreciate it, and congrats on all the success that you and the team have had over Merit. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity and look forward to uh, talking again later in uh, 2022. Thanks to RAH. Yes, and you know, we'll give you back a little bit of your time because I know I think you said you you have eleven deals that you're working on right now. Something in that. We're, so. we're just a little busy. <laughs> we're just a little busy. You got it. All right. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you, Kaylin. I appreciate it, and thank you to everybody for tuning into this episode of RAA Edge. We we'll obviously get into more detail uh, on uh, Kaylin and the Merit Team's growth strategy in future episodes, and on WealthManagement.com is there. Your deal activity becomes public and we can cover some of the more specific M&A that the firm has been involved in. But for now, thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much to Kaylin for joining us. And on behalf of the wealth management team at Informa, I'm Mark Bruno, and we will see you on the next episode of RIA Edge. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the RIA Edge podcast and equally proud to support independent financial advisors like you. In a challenging year, how did 68% of firms surveyed in Schwab's RIA benchmarking study meet or exceed their new client goals? By following key success factors such as leveraging new technology, adapting strategies to win new business, and stay connected with their clients, while also attracting and developing the right talent. The Schwab RIA benchmarking study is just one of many ways they provide you with the insights and resources needed to succeed and grow. Get the full picture at advisorservices.schwab.com.